We're back by popular uh, demand. And uh, I have a special uh, host with me today, Addison Swaggle. She's, uh, she's going to be a staple here, much smarter than me. Uh, say hi, Ad. Can you hear everybody? Yeah, I can. Hi. So um, this is uh, going to be quite the show tonight, and it is the opener for the first season. We're, we're coming back from uh, our, our basic little respite uh, after Flint. So tonight, uh, we're going to start off with the sheriff out of Oakland County, Sheriff Bouchard. It's uh, great to always talk with him. Uh, obviously, the new gun laws coming into play. We also have Chief Judge uh, Frizzard from the Wayne County Circuit Court bench and everything she's doing there, especially after COVID, and talk about what the bench looks like in Wayne County. And then we're going to go to Ven Johnson for the last couple segments. Ven just uh, brought home a serious verdict in Wayne County uh, Circuit Court in front of Judge Snow, $20 million. Um, Ven is uh, proofs in the pudding, and uh, obviously he is one great trial lawyer, but looking forward to talk to him. The show throughout the year, you're going to hear a lot of great stories. We, um, we are going to be touching upon um, – an epidemic, I think, in this country, and that is bullying. Um, and we have a special guest that uh, are going to come out, uh, the Bronstein family, who lost their son to suicide after being cyberbullied, Nate Bronstein, Robin Rose, two people that uh, are amazing. We'll also have uh, check in with Dave. Check in with Dave. We're going to have David Montgomery uh, from the Detroit Lions. David is someone that um, is a hero in my book. I call him the beast and uh, Kim Worthy, uh, the Wayne County prosecutor. We're going to have uh, Kim in, uh, check in with her, Wayne County, and all the great things she's doing. Last, uh, you'll hear a story uh, from Elena Ford. We're going to have a special uh, one-hour event with Elena Ford from uh, Ford Motor Company and all the things she does around the world. So we'll get back in a moment. But it is great to be back with Behind the Bench and Addison. Uh, love having you here. Thank so, you. <laughs> all right, we'll be back in a moment. I got to tell you, the next guest we have on, uh, Sheriff Bouchard, doesn't need really an introduction. He's a pillar in our community. He is someone that has been on the uh, side of law enforcement, fighting the bad guys and fighting for justice um, ever since I've known him for over the last 20 plus years. And a gentleman, Sheriff, thanks for coming on. Todd, my pleasure. Good to be with you. Welcome back, Cotter, as they say. <laughs> well, uh, that was a show. I don't know, Addison, you probably don't remember Welcome Back, Cotter. But anyway. Um... Yeah, neither do I. Old reruns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, have seen you uh, a couple times in the in the past uh, month or so. Um, I, I saw you talking about um, borders. Um, and uh, some crime sprees that were taking place. Um, have you know where 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 is that right now? You you don't think of Michigan of having issues with you know borders and necessarily gang violence in that in that realm of criminal the criminal world. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the whole country is prone to criminality um, and prone also to be subject to the fallouts of what an open border does. 
and certain policies. You know, first and foremost, I think we all are big supporters of immigration and the process, and that needs to be fixed. Our immigration system's broken. It needs to be timely. Sure. It needs to do proper vetting, and it needs to create a process where people that want to come here for a better life have that. We want that. But what we have now, um, you know, I get briefings on this, and I listen to different things in both the classified and the non-classified realm, and what we have is people stream across the border from countries all over the world. Uh, one of my counterparts in California was at the border when um, they did a snapshot in time, and the number one person uh, or country, if you will, coming across the border in California was mainland China, and they were fighting age males. Um, obviously, when you've got people coming that literally have to fly to Mexico or someplace else and then cross the border, their motive is subject to question. Now, um, you know, and it's not just there. It's countries that really don't like us. The numbers have spiked exponentially from uh, Yemen, from Chile, or, um, from Iran. Um, you, you name the country, and we're seeing them come across the southern border. And the other issue that we have is that the visa waiver program, there's only mm -hmm. one country in South America that has the visa waiver program, is Chile. Yeah. And they're not at the current moment in full compliance with the requirements of that, which is basically an expedited way to come visit. And so uh, and I'll tell you why, but we've asked the federal government to withdraw that visa waiver program for Chile. That means people can still come in here and visit, but they have to get a traditional visa, visa. Yeah. just like the all of the other South American countries and a vast majority of countries across the world. Because what we have seen here, specifically in Oakland County, is we have been uh, the target of Chilean gangs focused on yeah. high-end home burglaries, which we've had probably 40, and also robbing— 40 uh, within what time frame? Uh, well, we had a big spike for about three months where we were having multiple homes hit uh, in a series of days. So probably— yeah over a period of about three, four months, wow, wow, um, we were getting hammered. And then we also had two uh, armed robberies of jewelry stores. All of the people that we have caught so far have come from Chile and have violated the visa waiver program. <laughs> so this isn't something that's abstract. This is concrete. Yeah. And you know, as this developed, I communicated with intelligence units from uh, both federal agencies and other police agencies and found that is a very large problem that's existed for quite some time. But somehow in more recent times, we have very much gone on the radar of these groups. So as a result a of that, thing. and the, the huge spikes of these right. literally costing millions of dollars here in Oakland County, uh, I called all the chiefs in Southeast Michigan and we created the Southeast Michigan uh, task force um, that is focused on this threat, on this concern, and it includes federal agencies, state, and numerous local agencies. There are about 35 agencies on this task force. Wow. To think it's of all the really resources impactful. that you're spending on this particular issue is kind of mind-boggling, right? So uh, I can't imagine, we, you know, we, we have enough issues to deal with in our backyard. Add on to that and your... Uh, I guess, 
quiver of, of issues that you have to deal with and the resources and the money you, you know, you have to spend for it. It, it kind of boggles the mind. Uh, I don't know. But you know what? If there's one person that can make it happen and uh, it, the initiative to bring in the communities a- across the board of uh, southeast Detroit, it's you. Um, I, you know, I, I have to I have to ask you a question. I know we got a, a little bit of time here, um, a couple minutes, but I have just looked at and I've gotten probably, uh, you know, every friend that owns a gun or someone that's concerned about uh, having a gun, the new gun law and uh, uh, that has come into place. You know, I, candidly, when I saw the stats of twelve hundred uh, over 1,200 kids between the ages of 2 and 17 killed um, by uh, uh, guns and accidental-type shootings, uh, the majority of them, 75% of them, happening in homes and the like. Um, it just it blew me away. But I think this is going to be a learning curve, isn't it, for you and for everybody as it relates to this? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a, a number of laws that were passed by the legislature, and it absolutely will be a learning curve for everybody um, on a lot of different levels on all the areas that it touches. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I think most folks that are gun owners, you know, want to be responsible and, and should be responsible. I mean, with great rights comes, you know, right. responsibilities. And you know, I mean, I obviously have always had firearms. I've been a police officer since I was 20 years old. Um, and, you know, even when I wasn't a police officer in my hiatus when I was a senator, obviously I still had the weapons and the training and everything that went with it now that I'm back. So pretty much the whole time my kids have been born and grown up, obviously we had weapons in the home. And I took very specific steps to make sure that those weapons were available to defend the home, but not available to kids, um, either Amen. mine or others, until it was, you know, a time when that made sense for them to learn. And then there was a process and, and it was still, you know, under my yeah. lock and key. Wow. Um, but we also want to make sure that people that are living alone don't have to secure it in such a fashion that they can't get to it we to have defend to. themselves. Thank you. You know what, Sheriff? I'm going to have to have you back on. It's going to be a longer segment. And I do want to talk to you about the cyberbullying. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Yep, my pleasure, too. Well, good luck with the the second edition of your great show. You're the man. Thanks. Welcome back. It's always a pleasure to introduce the next guest, the chief judge of Wayne County. Um, I, I will tell you, I was a prosecutor in front of her, um, and I have had civil cases in front of her. Um, some of my biggest cases. And I will tell you, um, we always ask three questions. Um, is it a bench trial? Who's the judge? And who's on the other side? And everybody has an applaud or a nod to the head yes on both sides of the aisle when you hear Patricia Fizard, um is going to be the presiding judge. Judge, welcome to the show. Good evening, Counselor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's a no-brainer. Um, and I, I will tell all the listeners, you've been the chief judge um, for Wayne County. You, you had your first year in, and I know, uh, knowing you, you work tirelessly many, many hours. Um, tell us, like, what was the biggest challenges coming in out of COVID and 
um, making things happen uh, and what were some of the great successes that all the listeners around the, the state can hear for Wayne County? Thank you so much. Yes, it has been a great challenge for our court because, as you know, we are the largest court in the state and the busiest court in the state. So we have four times, more than four times as much work as our next closest and biggest court, which is Oakland County. And so COVID hit us hard. It really hit us the hardest. We were almost two years that we were unable to try cases. And so there was a criminal (laughs) backlog where people were, you know, sitting in jail for over two years. The cases weren't getting tried because we were unable to bring in juries and try those criminal cases. And so coming back uh, from COVID, I just, you know, became chief judge. And and um, this is only my second year. I was chief judge 23 and starting in 24. And so coming back in, it was quite a challenge to get things back on track. And we Luckily, we just um, brought in a team of very, very talented people. We have a new court administrator, yeah, uh, Frank Hardister. We have a new general counsel, Margaret Flanagan. We have a brand new human resources director, uh, Nikki Wright. A oh, very wow. Talented. I didn't know that. Do you know her? Yeah, I do. That's awesome. That's a great pick. She's amazing. We're yeah. so excited to have her in. So. With all this talent, we've restructured the court to uh, run it very efficiently. It's just going to be run like a business, and we already um, have the backlog, which was expected to take at least five years, uh, just about completed. The Can whole you... criminal backlog. Oh my gosh! We we're trying cases at a rate of a hundred and thirty percent clearance rate. Trying way more cases than even come in, which has historically never happened because we're so busy. So it's it's going very well, but we are challenged still because just like everyone else, we had a, a serious workforce challenge, and hopefully Nikki will help us with that. But right now we're at about um, 30% uh, workforce shortage. 30%. So we are, yeah, we're looking to hire. So if any of your listeners out there – want to work uh, with us. It's a great team, and they can just look at our website, thirdcc.org, and they can, uh, any questions they have, info at thirdcc.org, or, you know. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, That's, yeah, we, what is the biggest, all kinds of people. what is the biggest need uh, besides money? I, I mean, uh, I, I look at the bench, um, you know, we had such a deep bench, no pun intended. We had so much institutional knowledge. Um, you know, it, it, it seems to me that, um, it, we could use more judges, right? Uh, but you, the hours, I, I can only imagine clerks, secretaries, paralegals, the, the court lawyers. Um, and I got to believe it's also very demanding when you're handling, you know, uh, you got two stacked up and one coming back at you with a jury trial, um, that's got to be insanely taxing. So what, what is the biggest need right now? If you had to say the top three, what, what would that be? Well, you know, with your listeners in mind, one of the needs we have are jurors. I mean, we oh. want to encourage people to come in and, you know, you, you have some people come in with an attitude of how to get out of jury duty, yeah. but actually, most people who leave our courts, you know this, Todd, as a great trial litigator, you, 
jurors leave court after a trial saying, wow, that was an experience working with, you know, 11 other people and coming back with an important verdict for an important case every time. I mean, um, we tell jurors when they come in, you're going to be the judges of the facts of this case and what you decide is final. And it's an important thing that you can share with your family and friends for the rest of your life. And it's an important contribution to your community. So we need jurors, um, you know, and we, we also absolutely need funding and we need security. Everyone's has a work everyone has a workforce shortage i mean the sheriff's department um, has a workforce shortage so we need better coverage we need you know we need to get people on site more you know we we need to um, but basically i mean the court has a great team and i think that we are meeting all our challenges Todd? yeah yeah no that's one awesome. other thing i wanted to say is yes that in case our time is short is that the first week in March is going to be National Judicial Outreach Week. Yeah. And we are planning to have a Zoom um, panel uh, meeting of judges. So we're going to have some of our judges and our court administrator at noon on Friday, March 8th, on a Zoom panel. So all they would have to do is look on the court website, come to my um, Zoom room. That's awesome. Your listeners, by the way, could watch trials. They could watch hearings in any courtroom they want. They look up our website, and then they can look up a judge's name. My name is on there, Patricia Perez Frizzard. And at noon on Friday, March 8th, they could come and see a panel sharing its judicial outreach and maybe, you know, ask questions and interact about the courts. Um, and we we want to share. What a great that, idea! You know, our goal is just to join forces. We join with the um, county exec, the mayor, on the dangerous crimes task force, looking to keep our community safer. Judge, and um, that yes. you are. I got to tell you, we're on and out. But I got to tell you, you are awesome. I got to have you back. And thank you so much for coming back on the inaugural, back to the bench, uh, and behind the bench. So thank you. And um, thank you so much. And thank your listeners. All your right. Appearances. Talk to you thank soon. You. All right. We'll see you later. Bye bye. We're back. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting yelled at here by several people, Dan and Link. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, give a guy a break, will you? I did nothing wrong. Um, so we have someone uh, that to me is, and I remember many, many years ago going to watch, uh, you know, uh, this next guest uh, in Macomb County. They offered him nothing in a med mail case, and I went to watch his closing argument, and uh, it hit for ungodly numbers. Well, Ven and I have uh, shared cases, uh, continue to share cases, work on cases together. I consider him one of the best in the country um, at trying a case and always the proof's in the pudding. Ven, how are you, my friend? How you doing, Dr. Flood? I'm good, baby. I'm good. So we have Edison Sweggles here. She's a, a, a fan of yours, too. I tell I talk about you all the time. Say hi, Ed. Hi, hi Edison. How are you? Good. So you had a case in front of Judge Snow, the Honorable Judge Snow in Wayne County Circuit Court. I sent everybody over to just watch, learn, see, 
get a feel for, you know, the the Coliseum, if you will, where the gladiators go, where fighters go. And you, uh, you, you you did it. You knocked it out of the park with the twenty million dollar verdict. Tell tell us about first and foremost, uh, when you when you pick up a case and you see a case like you know, that what what where do you begin? What goes through your mind? Um and, and pick it up from the segue of like getting ready for the trial. Well, Todd, as you know, because you and I talk about this all the time, um, people tend to focus, especially the media, and I'll call it lay people, tend to focus on the dollar and and the dollar figure. And yes, $20 million is a substantial award, and we're very blessed, and we greatly appreciate our wonderful Wayne County jury that that, uh, eight out of eight, Todd. Wow. Eight out of eight, unanimous in actually less than 45 minutes uh, came up with that for a lot of good reasons that I'm happy to share later if you yeah, really sure. want some yeah. good sleeping material to fall asleep <laughs> on later. But in any event, um, the, the focus is you never want to be one of my good cases, right? You never want to be one of my clients on a really good right. case. And everyone goes, wait a minute, Ben, you're, you advertise and you want people. Of course I do. But it means someone was killed. It means someone was catastrophically injured. And in this particular uh, situation, Todd, my clients had three spinal surgeries. Mm. And for what? He was snow blowing his driveway, Todd. Mm. He was snow blowing his driveway when this dude coming down the street uh, lost control, went across the oncoming lane of traffic. Thank God there was no one there at the time. There was a, 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 an eyewitness who stopped because he saw it and knew that he would have been killed. And then it went onto my client's driveway, struck him, knocked him literally into a snowblower, which now is just this bent piece of pretzel metal. Wow. He is He's lucky to be alive. The hood. Well, I, I, I have a problem with that saying, Todd, right? Yeah. In the sense that uh, he doesn't feel very lucky, but yeah, yes, right. it, it, it beats death to him yeah. and his family, of course. But sure. He's now the one suffering every single day, all day, and the testimony said exactly that. Up on the hood, Todd, mm. smashed his head on the windshield, threw him five, six feet away, landed face down on the, on the pavement in the snow, mm. right? Yeah. He was motionless for over a minute, according to two different eyewitnesses. And this insurance company, West Bend Insurance Company, uh, takes us to trial against me, Todd, in Wayne County Circuit Court. I don't know if they were sleeping at the switch, didn't know what was going on, but it it kills me to hear insurance companies um, that don't have reality uh, in in cases like that and don't understand the victim and and, and even their own client. I got to believe their own client wanted to settle this case. Well, here's what we know for sure. Uh, There there was an in-house corporation counsel, meaning a, a, a... Someone that was hired by the company, yeah, to because they only had six million dollars of insurance coverage, Todd. Right, and and I wrote them three letters. And Todd Flood, you know, I don't mm. write letters. Letters are not my thing. Yeah, and and the the third letter Todd lawyers. was a five the five the third letter Todd was five pages. And Todd, you don't you never even thought I could even like dictate that long. <laughs> and and you'd be right in most cases, brother. <laughs> But in this case, I set forth the testimony. I set forth 
We had all of my clients treating doctors that came into court and testified live because they love my client and believe in him. Right. And they all came in nine days of trial time, nine days and eight and a half were me and my witnesses. And this insurance company, West Bend, never showed up a single second in court. I've never seen anything like that in 38 years of practice. Ten Man. years, by the way, as a defense attorney where I represented insurance companies and, and defendants. It's unconscionable so, to me because, you know, here's a company or from whomever was the defendant. The insurance uh, is supposed to cover that person, and they make them go through that, make you go through that. It triggers all sorts of stuff with your client, needless to say, and his family. Right. And and the right. sad part about it is it's, it's such bad faith. I mean, you and I own law firms. We hire insurance yes, companies to cover us, right? Yes, we do. We are the clients, and, and we pay them money. We pay them and money. Them to defend us. Exactly, yes, exactly. So, to to see, you know, that that had to go on, and you had to be in that position. One, shame on the uh, insurance company, but you know, you you are as uh, I have said many many times, a master uh, skill person at your craft in a courtroom uh second to none so i i want to i want to uh switch gears for a moment you you and and i'm catching you off guard but uh you're one of the fastest on your feet anyway so you watched uh, at least i hear that in your tennis game so you watched uh <laughs> no one's ever called me fast in a tennis court or a basketball court but well you don't want to see me go it's, it's two feet and that's it so um you watched the Crumbly trial. You talked about the Crumbly trial. Um, right, right. You and I, have, you know, have vested sanks in the civil side. But let's forget about that right. for a moment. Let's okay. the, the the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, and, and I look at this case, it could have been prevented on so many different levels uh, from you know a counsel a, a person that that knew. He had issues in the school, but let's let's get by that for a second. What did you see and what did you think um, when you when you saw this trial? Well, Todd, as you uh, know, I've been in this case now for literally two, not quite a half years, but uh, from the very beginning, um, I sat through the preliminary examination in the in the criminal district court when both Crumleys insisted on moving forward at the same time with the same law firm representing him back in that day. They were, uh, I listened to all the testimony. I saw all the exhibits that, that they showed in court at least. Uh, and I thought at the time it was overwhelming evidence and that's just preliminary exam. And you could speak to that a lot better than me since I'm not the criminal expert you are. And then in to watch this trial and learn a little bit more, not a whole lot more in terms of the intricate details and so forth. But this was overwhelming, Todd, and it's really funny because uh, Mal and I, uh, as you know, my beautiful wife, we were just discussing this not even 15 minutes ago, and this this kid, this the shooter, was doing anything and everything in terms of acting out yeah. for anyone to pay attention. Right. And I mean school, I mean, of course, his parents, plural. I mean, this kid was doing everything to try to advertise somebody pay attention to me and stop me. And systematically, mom and dad failed him. 
the school district and the various people, but especially on, I would say in the 29th as well, the day before the shooting, they yep. failed him. They failed him from the first day of school when he drew another picture with a, with a handgun that one of his teachers knew about and, and apparently never looked at the homework assignment. So she said in her civil deposition and therefore never said it to anybody until Todd Monday, the 29th. Right. And we know who she sent it to. Right. She sent it to Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that, that to me is, it's just unconscionable and, and it's so disturbing. We got to take a quick break, but I got, I have more for you. And I, I, can you hang on with this for, for a minute or two so we can close up with you? Absolutely. I will. You're the man. We'll be right back with behind the bench and flood law. We're back. Addison Swiggles, Todd Flood, behind the bench from Flood Law. I got to tell you, I'm uh, with Ven Johnson. Ven is, um, as I've said many times, one of the best trial lawyers in our country, one of the best at um, uh, doing his craft and knowing how to communicate in front of a jury and understanding the the ins and outs. Um, and we're talking about Crumbly. It, it was a national case. And, I, and I'm on the same page with you, Ven. I, I think... What people have to realize, it's not novel to charge uh, uh, parents when they leave a gun out and another oh child God. shoots another child. Did, but at the end of the I, day, did, did I interrupt? yeah, I interrupt Van, you? bring it. Didn't, it didn't, didn't that just drive you crazy? Yeah, that's what was driving that, me like, crazy. This has never been done. No, what's never been done is a mass shooting. I get that. Yeah, right. But we've had two court of appeals decisions, don't we, Todd? In yeah. The criminal law. Yeah. And, and, and. So I, I just didn't understand why we were making such a big deal. And it wasn't that Jennifer Crumley was being charged simply because the shooter shot. That's not what it was all about at all. It was about all the other stuff that she didn't do that a mother, a reasonably prudent mother, would do and she didn't do. And right. not only did she not do it, but she didn't do it for so long and in so many different respects. That, that clearly, right, a jury of her peers, 12 out of 12 people agreed and said guilty. That's that's astonishing to me. Yeah, well, it was astonishing to me that people had just, I think even the national press, and I listened to this uh, reporter from the New York Times who I, I respect, but I, I I couldn't get over the fact that she was trying to make this this novel concept of parents being derelict in their job and that the fact that they leave a gun out or – a kid that's spiraling out of control has access to a gun. And, right. and the fact of the matter is, um, yeah, no, that is called gross negligence. Right. Um, you, right. you put a deadly weapon in that shooter's hands. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to have a tea exactly. party. And, it's not even and, close and, and to put, to make this real clear, to make sure everyone knows what we're talking about, Todd. Uh, and again, you're the criminal expert. I'm not, but I know that there were at least two Michigan court of appeals, appellate decisions, affirming or otherwise upholding someone who was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter for leaving a gun access. And the more the, the sad reality of what we see on TV or in our news and so forth is where one little baby picks up a loaded gun uh, on, the, on the nightstand and shoots him or herself right. or right. somebody else in the house. Right. And we've had two parents or two adults that were charged with that. And the court of appeals said, no, if, if the jury says that that's gross negligence, yeah, that's gross negligence. So, the, again, that's what this was to me, and not just simply because the shooter shot somebody, 
They gave him the not only did they give him the weapon, Todd, they bought the gun for him and right. called it his Christmas present for right. Christ's sake. Right, right. You know, bought it on Black Friday and yeah, it was his Christmas gift to a, a, a kid that was disturbed. I thought Karen McDonald did the right thing and I applaud her for her office doing the right thing. You know, you you speak Marquee of uh, two cases. Uh, the, you know, there was a, a case, Sayers case, uh, the last name Sayers, people v. Sayers in the state of Michigan, where mother was uh, found guilty of involuntary manslaughter for uh, being forewarned, before, uh, forewarned about her, her child being a, a pyro, lighting things on fire. Um, CPS came to the house. Other people came to the house and said, hey, listen, you got to keep all these things out of the hands of your child. She falls asleep. She puts the matches up on top of the refrigerator. The kid gets the, up on top of the counter, grabs the matches, lights the curtain on uh, fire inside the apartment. A baby died downstairs. What happened? Mom was charged with involuntary manslaughter and uh, found guilty because she did not heed the warnings of everybody. So what do you know? When did you know it? And what you do about it? Right. So here, right. what did Crumbly know? When did they know it? It's just right. a sad state of affairs. So. And then, of course, then they spin it like, oh, my God, everyone, anytime any kid, but anyone's kid does something now, they're going to be charged. It's like, that's not what this is that's about at all. That's what it's not about. No, no. So I uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Um, we, you, you are insanely busy. I'm insanely busy. We're in court constantly. Uh, I start a trial in the beginning of March, and I don't end with trials until the sometime in June. Um, what is it in the civil realm right now that uh, you you got going that's caught your eye and you're getting ready and prepared to go at? Well, we have, I was just going over trial schedules today. We have two trials coming up uh, uh, two weeks from tomorrow, Todd, same day in two different courtrooms. So those those things we call those conflicts. They they always work themselves out one way or another. Uh, one is a very large uh, automobile case out in Macomb. Another one is a uh, incredibly large, horrible, tragic uh, um, uh, bacterial meningitis case against uh, uh, Corwell, so William Beaumont Hospital up in Lapeer. So both of those are scheduled to go, and 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 after that, we've got two or three more uh, of some really huge stuff. And and so yeah, this is a busy time. Uh, I do think, believe it or not, Todd, I think we're still seeing kind of the, the rebound from COVID, the backup a little bit. And uh, and let me just throw this out there for anyone who cares. I am so done with our courthouses being empty. And ladies oh, and gentlemen, uh, I, I don't think most people will be surprised. Uh, you know, I've had COVID twice now, and I'm so lucky that I can afford health care. So thank you. Uh, but let's get going, Todd. Our profession yeah. is behind. We're letting People make excuses. People are doing depositions all the time on Zoom. People are doing all their motions on Zoom. And I all due respect, I'm not calling any judge out or anything, but it's too much. And we need to get back in our courthouses where we belong. It's Amen to that. Courthouse. Yeah. Yeah. People's courthouse. Let's get going. Well, I just had Patricia uh, Frazard on. I love her. And I oh, know she's, she's working. Yeah, no, she's. She she uh, I was a prosecutor for her, uh, had some cases in front of her and as a prosecutor and then uh, some of some big civil cases we've had uh, in front of her. And she's always been great. And she moves the ball. She doesn't screw around. She's a working judge. And Judge Frazard did an amazing job. Right. She was involved in in the administrative uh, uh, oversight and the headaches of covid. And so, again, I'm not I'm not blaming anybody, but as a profession, 
Uh, we represent people, Todd. I, that's what I know I love the most about you. Uh, every case, you love the people. You love our clients. That's exactly right. what our job is. And my, my clients, I don't know about yours, but I know you agree with me. They deserve their day in court, not on Zoom, in court. So let's get going back to court. Let's stop making excuses and let's all go. And that's lawyers and you know witnesses, everybody. Let's get going. It's so and much more efficient and effective, too. Okay. As being a lawyer, no and ha- you know, I mean, you have to be able to grab the person by the tie. You have to be there in front of them. So, uh, well, to me, I wouldn't it's... recommend grabbing another lawyer. By ah, the well, I don't do that. But you know what I mean. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's best when we're yes, together in front because the 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 results are more just and true and, as opposed to the Zoom gig. And I'm telling you right now. We're also getting more motions that never have oral argument at all, Todd, right now, I, more why, than yeah. ever in my career. And since when have we, are, are we waiving our ability to make our uh, appellate record orally? I've ne- it, you know it, what that's happened it, to me now twice uh, in civil yep. cases? And I'm thinking to myself, uh, that's like not even close to being, you know, fair and just. Uh, for your client. Uh, so anyway, right. uh, that's that's something. My man, I love you, bro. We're we're coming okay. up on the on the time. I wanted to give you the last uh, thirty seconds here. Um, talk to me uh, about what it means to have jury duty and what your jurors walked away yeah. uh, with in that in the le- next thirty seconds. I I I thank my jury. I told them that in 38 years of just having this incredible luxury and and privilege and honor of being a lawyer, a trial lawyer, that every single jury, not every single juror, but every single jury that I've ever spoken with, which is all of them, afterwards end up thanking uh, us and them and each other for their service. You can't do a more important thing for a democracy. And I won't go into my Alexis de Tocqueville uh, speech, Todd. We'll do that another day. But one of the great uh, writers of, uh, of the American jury system, right, wasn't even from America. It is the best system that there is. And juries are what it's all about. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for serving on our juries. You are the man, Van, and uh, I love you, you like a brother. Thanks so much. We'll be back time. with Behind the Bench. And thank you for listening in to the uh, to the comeback of Behind the Bench. Uh, we'll be back uh, right after, I don't know, a few days rest. So I think it's Friday we come back. God bless everybody.